All right, we're back with Whiskey Throttle Radio presented by the Moto Hub. Uh, took a little break there, but A1 is right around the corner. So uh, it's back to being full throttle dirt bike podcast time. Um, on this episode, we have JMC Husqvarna rider Derek Kelly on to talk about his A1 prep. Uh, he's, it's going to be his first ever full Supercross season. He's riding 250 West. So we talked to him about that, uh, like I said, the prep going in, kind of his background in the sport. Also on the show is Jeff Crutcher. We've had him on before. Uh, he's a man behind many brands, so we talked to him about that. His newest one is Gimmick Coffee, really good coffee. If you guys are some coffee drinkers out there, make sure to check that out. Uh, and he you know, he talks about how he came up with the, the brand and all that. Also, Muff Mufflers, Over the Bars podcast, Rip and Ruts, the graphic stuff, he he does it all, and we also talk a little, little 450 Supercross preview. Uh, unfortunately, he had to go, so we couldn't really finish our conversation, but uh, we, we get some good talk in there, and it, obviously, Jeff's just a real inter- interesting dude, super smart, so um, really good insight he's got there. Uh, I wanted to you know, give a shout-out to our sponsor, Blood Lubricants, makers of high-quality racing oil, but they also have a bunch of other stuff like degreaser, um, chain lube, that sort of thing. So make sure to check them out at bloodlubricants.com. Big supporter of Trigger Racing and Tyler Bowers, uh, as well as many other teams out in the paddock. Um, and, you know, they want to help you out as well. So make sure you use a promo code WHISKEY for 25% off their products. Uh, again, that's promo code WHISKEY for 25% off. Also want to say, if you haven't already, go ahead, sign up for the MotoHub Fantasy League. It's only $5 to play. Um, really simple to use. You pick your top three in each class and a privateer and uh, how you think that privateer will finish up. Uh, we have some excellent weekly prizes this week. We'll be The winner will be getting a signed Blake Baggett jersey, so really cool there. And then for the overall, we have a ton of good prizes as well, like a custom um, helmet paint job by my buddy Matt over at Debo Styles, Risk Racing Lock and Loop Pro, a Lap King GPS. There's so much stuff. So make sure to check that out at fantasy.themotohub.com. And, uh, yeah, just thanks for listening to this podcast. As you know, follow us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and uh, subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcast from. All right, let's get into it. is a rider for the JMC Husqvarna team. It's Derek Kelly. What's going on, man? How's it going, man? Doing good. Uh, I'm excited. I'll tell you that. Uh, A1, about a week away. I'm sure you're pumped, too. No, yeah. I mean, it's it's been a long time coming. We actually got a pretty good head start on it. and been training since basically the end of the, the motocross season. So, I mean, it's, it's been a good run. I just can't wait to get out there. Yeah. Um, it was cool to see that you, you picked up that ride with the JMC Husky team. How did that whole deal come about, and how long have you been actually riding the Husky? Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm super grateful. I mean, those guys definitely hooked me up. I wouldn't really have anything 
for next year if it weren't for them. But I mean, uh, we actually, I, my dad is good friends with the owner of the team, Joel Miska. So like they, uh, they've known each other for a long time. We're uh, actually from the Pacific Northwest. So, I mean, we've always, uh, known them and they've known about me, but when I got my supercross license, I, I hit them up for a fill-in ride maybe, or just to see what they were doing. And then, um, ever since then, they just kind of stayed in touch with me and then everything came, came together. Yeah, man, that's awesome. It, I'm sure it helps so much too. Um, cause I know you did the outdoors on like a privateer Honda. It's got to help so much just to have a team and, uh, you know, transportation to the races and not have to worry about all that. No, yeah, it'll be it'll be good just even having the knowledge of the team. I mean, they've been doing it for a few years now, and, and me coming in, I'm just a rookie basically. I've only done a couple of rounds, and it's it'll be great to have the knowledge and and being able to go there and fly to the races, the ones that are far away, mm-hmm. instead of having to drive. Definitely. Um, so, like I said, a one's a week away. You said it earlier. You've been on the bike for since the end of outdoors. Uh, where you've been riding at um, SoCal or up in the Pacific Northwest? Uh, mostly in SoCal. I'm I'm based out of Riverside, California. So, okay. um, I rate I've been riding Milestone before they closed, and then ever since then I've been trying to go to private tracks and then hand a little bit. But it's been it's been tough. I mean, ever since the Milestone Supercross track and everything closed down, there hasn't really been anything legit to ride other than I mean Mumford has been renting out his place every once in a while. Which that's been great, but that's a long drive from where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, man, that was it was a bummer to hear about milestone closing just because over the last couple of years that's all you hear about, you know, guys or privateer level guys. Obviously, the factory guys have their private tracks and all that, but it seems like a, a lot of guys relied on milestone to get that prepping. No, yeah, that's that's the uh, the big bummer is like um, the factory guys have their thing, and then but privateer guys have only really had that one track. Mm-hmm. And I mean, past years there's been like Elsinore's been open, but I mean that's closed, and then Paula, Paula doesn't have a track anymore. And then, I mean, it's just milestone. And now that's closed. It's it's tough. Do you know? I'm from the East Coast. I'm Florida, so I don't really hear too much about you know the Cali tracks. But do you know why uh, it was closing closing down? Uh, I know that it's it's in an industrial area. Mm-hmm. Like the surrounding area is basically warehouses and and shipping places and and all that kind of stuff. I know that are they. People have been saying it's sold to Amazon, but um, either way, like it's it got sold for a warehouse. Okay. Basically, it's in prime prime real estate like that. Yeah, dude. It, yeah. Even over here, it always seems like wherever you know we have trails to ride or motocross to ride, somebody wants to buy it and build something. You know, there's tons of other places to build, but if there's a motocross track on it, it always seems like they want to they want that specific lane. It's crazy. Yeah. No. It's it's weird. Like a lot of people don't outside of the industry anyway don't realize how much motocross tracks mean to us and i mean they they only see dollar signs basically but i mean what can you do yeah exactly um so this is gonna be your first full supercross season uh so how much time other than this off season have you had on a supercross track or is it kind of just something new that you wanted to try um well basically uh i've i've dabbled in a little bit like i've always raced amateur motocross and MRs and all that stuff throughout my whole whole younger life since I, I, my first time I learned was nine and then I've been doing amateur nationals and all that stuff ever since. But in 2017, like the end of 2016, I tried to do arena cross. Mm-hmm. So that was actually my first time on supercross, okay. but uh, I ended up getting hurt pretty bad and taking off the whole 2017 season. And, uh, and then I, 
I took it back up at the beginning of 2018 and did a couple of arena crosses and and then that was the first year that the futures were out. So basically, just only only a handful of times before this year that I've ridden Supercross. Okay, I know I've never seen you last year. I think it was was it Denver. I think I know I saw you. Um, you were close mm-hmm. to making that main. And I think you had a crash, but it seems like the speed's there for sure. No, yeah, I uh, I came into this earlier this year um, trying to get my license and uh, both licenses actually. So I did the amateur Supercross, and I'm getting it in Houston, and then basically the next weekend was Denver. Okay. So I was on a Supercross track four times before that. So I mean, I was I was super stoked mm-hmm. to even get in there into the night show and then be be contending for the main. But um, you know how it goes, like. Not not having that experience and and knowing how hard you can push yep. close to the tough blocks and then you know how it goes it's it's tough but you live and you learn on that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's definitely just a learning experience. You know, like obviously you're not the first Supercross rookie to you know clip a tough block or or go down. So it seems like exactly just the more you're out there, the more you're gonna learn. Um, you know, the the main reason I wanted to have you on is because I'm an off road guy myself and I saw that you were off road. Um, how long, or I know you said you did the res and all that, but how long were you racing off-road stuff? Yeah. So, um, I actually, after I took off the, uh, 2017 for an injury, I came back at the end of 2017, like November and ended up doing, um, I, I don't know if you've heard of day in the dirt. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a race at Glen Helen and, and they have a, an hour and a half, um, endurance race, like basically an off-road endurance race. And I ended up winning that by like three minutes. And um, Mark Samuels from SLR hit me up and asked if I wanted to try out some off-road stuff. So I basically, uh, yeah, I, I started racing off-road in GTs in 2018, okay. and yeah, and that was that was a cool experience. I mean, it's it's definitely something new and completely different from motocross, but then again, it carries over. Like yeah, definitely. Thus, uh, you did works too. Yeah, yeah, I did uh, Big Six and Works. So I didn't do, like, Heron Hound or Enduro stuff. I just did basically GPs and, and that kind of stuff. Is Works, like, I know I, I see the videos and all stuff. It looks super fun. It's kind of like a cross between motocross and then, like, a true, like, hair scramble almost, right? Right. It's both basically um, Big Six and Works are kind of the same thing. Works is a little bit more uh, rough and uh, a little more... Uh, more enduro i guess like hair scramble style like uh it's it's basically like a 10 minute loop 10 like 8 to 12 minute loop okay and then you you do that for an hour and a half but this year it's been two hours oh, okay so yeah yeah it's it's tough i mean you you're basically racing for two hours straight mm-hmm. flat out like and um, those guys don't slow down at all yeah i'm sure that helped you out a ton in the outdoors huh yeah no it it uh the outdoors definitely felt slow, like a lot shorter than than uh, than works and that kind of stuff. But it's a completely different different animal, yeah. you know. Like it, then again, like you get rest and off road stuff. Like you'll have straightaways that mm-hmm. are like thirty second long, and you can have like a little break. But in outdoors, it's just like the gnarliest, roughest tracks, and those guys are just pinned the whole time. What uh, what do you what do you transfer over best from like your you know when you ride off-road to supercross or does anything even transfer over at all um i mean the speed from motocross transferred over to off-road really well and then i guess just being grateful 
to have a water track carried over to motocross from off road. Is there, <laughs> I mean, but like, is there any like certain skill that you you know excel at off road that you can kind of apply to the supercross track, um, or is it just totally different? It, it's it's completely different. Like, I mean, it's it's nearly impossible to 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 go from one sport to the other, mm-hmm. like, and then compete. You know, like it's almost like you have to relearn everything. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, so as far as your training goes off the bike, what do you do, uh, for supercross that's different, I guess, that you would normally do for like an off-road race? Uh, during the off-road season, I kind of did my own thing. Like, I mean, obviously you're cycling two to three days a week, like on a road bike and mountain bike. And then like you're doing in the gym stuff. But now that I've gotten into supercross and I'm, I'm on the team, like I've gotten a lot more serious with Mm -hmm. my off the bike training. Um, I, got hooked up with icon sports training facility in marietta and i train with charles dow and that's three days a week and then he's got me on a program as far as that goes and then i cycle on the off days and then ride three to four days a week okay yeah i saw your uh, yeah. or you just told me you got done with a mountain bike ride so i'm sure that you know just i guess anything to get, get that endurance up in the interval training yeah no it's the the stronger you are off the bike um definitely helps you when you're on the track i mean if you're not getting tired you're able to focus on basically hitting your lines and and going fast i mean if you're if you're tired and you got arm pump you, you're not going to be able to focus on going fast you're going to yeah. be sucking wind you know mm-hmm. definitely uh who uh who are your teammates this year i know i saw it earlier but i can't remember off the top of my head um we got carson brown okay. and then uh martin costello i gotcha yeah dude costello was riding really good last year um it was really cool to see and obviously carson brown those pit bike videos are insane. <laughs> yeah, no, Martin rips, and he's been doing it for a couple of years, and I, he's had a top ten, I think, before. And no, he he rips, and it's good to learn from him. And then obviously Carson Brown rips and knows how to ride a bike like yeah. crazy good. But yeah, I'm I'm super stoked to be on the team with them. Do you guys you ride with them often, or are they based somewhere else? Um, Carson's been up in Seattle or like Washington area quite a bit, so I haven't ridden with him. But a couple times, but um, Martin's in in my area, and I try to ride with him as much as I can. Yeah, I'm sure that helps a ton. You know, just riding with fast riders, learning, or not so much faster, but someone who's experienced. You know, has been racing Supercross for a couple of years now, and you can just pick up those little things. It seems like. Definitely, yeah. You 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 almost got to be a sponge when you're coming into it as a rookie. You kind of got to learn learn from everybody and and get as much knowledge as you can. Definitely. Uh, let's switch it up here. Let's talk about your outdoor season a bit. You did uh, five rounds. Um, just outside the points in uh, two of them, are you happy with the way it came out, or are you kind of bummed? I mean, obviously you you want to do better, but um, I was I was happy with my speed through the beginning of the motos, like early parts, and and I mean coming into Hangtown, it was it was kind of a scramble getting everything ready. Mm-hmm. Um, bike setup was an issue, and and it, it was just tough coming in, not having the knowledge or or anything as far as like the nationals, how that goes. But I mean, I ended up making every single round and then, um, most of the rounds I was battling inside the top 15, top 20. Mm-hmm. It's just like not having the endurance and, and, uh, I guess experience to hold back in the beginning a little bit. And then yeah. b- to be able to carry the last 10, five to 10 minutes is, is where you make your money, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, man, it's all experience. Uh, first year is just all about learning are you planning on doing the outdoors again in 2020 yeah yeah i'm i'm planning on doing outdoors um i'm 
I'm mostly focused on the Supercross season right now. That's that's my main goal is to to make main events this year. And then and then we'll see how it comes whether I'm going to do 450 class or 250 class for next year. Okay. Um yeah. Awesome, so. man. Uh let's take it way back. How did you first get started on dirt bikes? That's that's a classic question. Um my dad always rode back mm-hmm. in the day. I'm I'm from Boise, Idaho, so he used to do trails and and a little bit of high desert riding up in Boise area. And then when I turned like five or so, he got me a 50 and then I, I learned on that. And then up until like six, seven, I, I got a 65 and then did a little bit of off-road actually, um, hair and hound stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, I killed it in that for, I mean, the class that I was in and somebody said to go check out a motocross track and then the rest is history as far as that goes. Yep. Just, uh, it's, it's a, I ask that question to everyone I have on here and it's, pretty similar answer yeah my dad's yeah no it, next thing you know i was hooked so exactly no you you uh have to have a parent or somebody in mm-hmm. in it to to get you into it for sure yeah i think the cool one of the cooler stories though i had henry miller on he said he lived by millville and they went and watched it one day and he wanted a dirt bike and next thing you know he was out there at loretta's and stuff which is which is pretty crazy as well yeah yeah no henry rose uh, so let's talk about this upcoming Supercross season. What are your goals? Um, what are you going to be happy with? Oh, I mean, everybody's goals are, are high. I mean, um, for me, I'd, I'd like to make every main event would, would be crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, obviously, I feel like I have the speed for top top five. Or I mean, not, not top five, but like top ten, like mm-hmm. if I ride at my potential. But I mean, I'll definitely be happy if I if I get a few motos inside the top twelve or or whatever. I mean, I feel like I have the potential mm-hmm. as far as that goes. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds like you you know you're training right and stuff like that. You're gonna have the endurance and stuff like that. And just seeing the little bit that I saw last year in Supercross, the speed's definitely there. So it's definitely possible, man. And you're on you're on good equipment. I heard those Husky 250s rip. No, that they the equipment from the JNC squads is top notch. I mean, I've never ridden a bike as good as the one I've had, and it's only the practice bike. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't wait until I get the race bike um, at the beginning of next week. Yeah, man, it's going to – I'm I'm looking forward to, to watching you race for sure, and uh, thank you so much for, you know, giving me your time today and doing this interview. Yeah, thank you, man. I, uh, I appreciate you having me on. It's my first time being on a podcast, and it's been it's been great. Awesome, man. Uh, before I let you go, who do you want to thank uh, for getting you out there? I definitely I have to thank my mom and my dad and, and my grandparents for supporting me through thick and thin as far as that goes. I mean, you don't always uh, appreciate them the, the most, but um, they're the ones that support you the most. And then I got to thank JNC and Fly and Dunlop and, and everybody that supports their, their whole team. Um, I'm still learning them all, but uh, hopefully by the end of the year I'll have them, them all pegged. Awesome man. Uh, and then I gotta thank my trainer. Uh, I got one more. Yeah. I gotta thank my thank my trainer, uh, MX University, and Charles Alpha Michael. Awesome man. Well, best of luck next weekend. Uh, we'll be rooting for you. And uh, yeah, best of luck training this week. All right. Thanks, Kurt. Have a good one. See you. What's up, guys? We've got some exciting news as our sponsor, Blood Lubricants, continues to push the bar with high-quality products. In addition to their already outstanding racing oil, they've added fork and shock fluid, gear oil, chain lube, kick-ass degreaser, detailer, and pre-race spray. Whether you have a UTV, Harley, 
ATV, or dirt bike, Blood Lubricants has you covered. They're offering sponsorship opportunities from the amateur level to the pro level, and they're already sponsoring top privateers like Tyler Bowers, Henry Miller, and Bubba Polly. Racing is in their blood, but that's not all. They want to hook you guys up as well. Head on over to bloodlubricants.com. That's B-L-U-D lubricants.com. And use promo code WHISKEY for 25% off your order. Don't need, No need to rewind it. I'll say it again. 25% off your order with promo code WHISKEY at bloodlubricants.com. Jeff Green hooking you guys up. High quality stuff. Check it out. Back to the show. All right, on the line with me right now is the man behind Gimmick Coffee, Muff Mufflers, Rippin' Ruts, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it, Jeff, the fastest 125 rider in Kansas. It's Jeff Crutcher. How's it going, man? Very well. Okay, so like we just talked about, I'm going to clap to say it. All right, there we go. Okay, so yeah, um, yeah, Gimmick Coffee, Rippin' Ruts, OTB Podcast, and Muff Mufflers are all my, I've got essentially four four things that i'm working on at one time plus my full-time job at fedex and you ride dirt bikes a lot too i try to every weekend and i'm actually okay so at fedex i have been um what's called a swing driver so i just fill in for guys i don't have a route i fill in for people that are on vacation sick calls guys that are out with you know injury whatever reason they're not at work i fill in for them and and I've been building seniority at the company and between my time at ground and then my time at now at Express, I've been with the company for almost nine years and I'm just now getting my own route. So it's uh it's been a long time coming and the the route that I'm getting, listen to this, dude, I'm so excited. Like I am ready to do one handed cartwheels for one mile straight. The route that I'm getting is Tuesday through Friday, four 10-hour days, so four 10s, and then I have Saturday, Sunday, Monday off. So now I'm able to like go race in Colorado, Indiana, Oklahoma, Texas, maybe you know even try to do like a monster mountain trip or something like that, Minnesota, you know, the Dakotas. Now like my reach is, is so much bigger because... I can drive all day on Saturday and then race on Sunday, camp at the track, whatever, drive home on Monday. And then, yes, like so excited because now, like I said, it's just unlocking like an additional eight, you know, eight states around the Kansas City area. But you say, okay, so you mentioned something about the 125. I, I actually sold the 125, and um, uh, yeah, I'm 50 right now. Yeah, yep. Back to 252 stroke, which I've been a 252 stroke guy since like 20, um, 2010, and then um, had a YZ125 for about eight months, and then got back on KTM's and have been riding KTM since. The the 125 was just a project bike that I had. Um, but then, yeah, you know, one of those Craigslist bikes, I actually did it instead of doing it, you know, everybody, it seems like all these guys on Instagram are buying these $1,000 motorcycles and then sinking like five grand into it, mostly cosmetic appearance. And then 
I was like, no, I'm going to do it the exact opposite. I'm only buying stuff off of eBay and the clearance rack on every retailer and or, or, or every online retailer. And the only thing that I really spent money on was getting the suspension done on it. And I had pro action do the suspension on it because there's a, or actually, no, it was race tech now that I think about it. Anyway, yeah. So I had that bike and I, I, I bought it for 1200 bucks. I put $1,200 in it and then I sold it for like $3,200. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then I got back on KTM's, had the 125 last year, which is actually a 150, but, you know, I had to, I had to lie through my teeth and tell everybody it was a 125. Not that I was like, you know, because I wanted to do two outdoor nationals on it and the, you know, you can't ride a 150, you have to ride a 125. And so, you know, I printed off these little stickers to put over the, uh, markings on the side of the, the cylinder that uh said Weissco inside and Weissco was fucking stoked on it and it made the the engine look really racy but really all I was doing was just concealing the uh 150 stamping on the side so then the bike would pass your tech inspection without any hiccups and of course you know the two times that I did I mean the guys in the AMA instead of instead of them even looking at the bike I did a double I doubled down on on security and what I did was is I I, I took like my own little number plate stickers and then my two stroke stickers and all the guys in tech inspection, I was just handing them stickers as I was pushing my bike through because nobody get, you know, nobody gives those guys any rider stickers and they were super psyched on that. You know, the, uh, the AMA guys, they're all stoked on two strokes. They love it. So, you know, I'm handing them stickers to kind of grease the wheel as I'm going through. Nobody even looked at the bike, dude. So yeah, it was one, it was actually a 150. Rode that for for last year, and now, yeah, I'm back on a on a 252 stroke. And dude, the thing is, it's like I bought an 18 this year because it was on like triple rebate. I I was you know essentially, it's funny because dude, anytime that somebody asks me, oh dude, you do, you know, what do you pay for your bike? I just don't. Oh, uh, it was free. I can't stand it whenever people ask, how much money did you spend on your bike? I just tell them, oh, it was free, but. You know, it's, uh, I did pay for it. I don't, you know, no big deal, but. Oh, what the fuck happened? Hey, bud. Yo, sorry about that. No worries, it happens. All good, baby. Um, hold on one second. I had to, like, restart my browser, so let me pull up the supercross results from last year real quick. Okay. Let me, I'll, I'll, fi I'll finish what I was saying. Anyway, so I. Yeah, I, I I got a rebate on my on my bike, and um, you know, it was I, I was like, do I buy a twenty twenty for the price of a brand new bike, or do I buy an eighteen for like a triple rebate? And that's what I ended up doing. So yeah, hardcore two stroke guy. That's what I'm known for. I've been riding two strokes for well since nineteen ninety five, and you know, I did have a period of time where I was exclusively four strokes, but. I hated it. You know, honestly, I really like those bikes drove me to quit racing and I did quit for, for a while. And then I started riding, you know, other people's bikes and farting around on two strokes. And I was like, dude, this is it. This is my thing. Now, now you're off-road guy since you do that GP. So, yeah, two well, strokes. you know, the thing is, is I've been doing that GP for, uh, you know, since like 2013, I think was the first one that I did. And, um, 
it just kind of this last year I was like, okay, like I'm ready to get good at these. What what was the format for that one? Uh just two hours. It was two hour a hair scramble race. Yeah. They call it a they call it a Grand Prix, but it's it's really the uh it's really just a glorified hair scramble. It's in Kansas? No, it's in Arkansas. Oh, okay. I was because I was gonna say I drove through when I drove through Kansas, I didn't see one tree. So I didn't know how you guys got here. <laughs> well, you know, there is a lot of uh there's a lot of um there's a lot of hair scrambles in Kansas, actually. I mean, there's, don't get me wrong. Whenever you're on I-70, yeah, it's just, it's the smell of hog shit and open cornfields. But whenever you actually get into other areas than where the freeway runs through, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of features, yeah. Yeah, cause I remember, I think I was texting you, I was like, dude, you could build some sick uh, motocross tracks out here, but you said it's all hard pack rock out in those fields. Uh, yeah, so like whenever you're driving through the Flint Hills, there's about an inch and a half of topsoil, and then underneath that, it is literally solid rock. I mean, you know, Flint, and it's, uh, no, there's there's nothing you can do with that area except for have uh, grazing cattle. I gotcha. Huh? Well, makes sense. Um, so I'm sitting here right now, Jeff, staring at my gimmick coffee, and I'm, I'm not a big coffee guy. We talked about this before. I usually go with my Dunkin' Donuts, but... This coffee you have is unreal. Talk about gimmick. How'd you come up with that? Okay, so the coffee idea was, I felt like, you know, it's been a long time coming because for so long, I have felt like I am getting ripped off somehow. I didn't know how, and I didn't know, you know, what what my beef was with, with coffee because, dude, straight up, I am a coffee guy i didn't used to be you know like most people that drink coffee you start out hating it and then you get into a situation where you're forced to drink it and then you know you you learn to love it it's kind of a stockholm syndrome and the same exact thing happened with me uh i was on tour with a band and i had some long drives to make because i was the i was the merch guy and merch guy also doubles as van and trailer guy so I was driving and just straight up, dude, I didn't want a Red Bull. I wanted something hot. So I started with coffee at a gas station. And then that evolved into at first hating it. And then me, you know, just wanting more fast forward to, you know, now I have a French press and a pour over and a hand grinder. Now I'm not one of those goofballs. that's like, you know, I don't measure the stuff that I, I do. I'm just like, I eyeball it. Um, I don't, I'm not, you know, measuring exact degree of water and and so on and so forth. Okay, anyway, I was at the grocery store. um, This would have been about halfway into November. And while I was standing in the grocery store and I'm looking and there's a hundred feet of different coffee brands. And the, uh, the thing that I noticed is that the cooler the bag looked, the more expensive the coffee was. And so I'm standing there and, and, you know, there's a bunch of local roasting companies and I'm holding one bag in, hand, in my left hand and it's $14. And then I'm holding another bag in my other hand and I'm comparing the two and it's the same exact source for the bean. It's the same exact roast style. One bag is really fancy. One bag is plain as shit looking. And I'm reading, you know, the, 
the flavor profiles of it, and they're practically describing the same thing. But I'm like, how is it that this bag in my left hand is so much more expensive than the bag in the right hand? And I know, you know, there's brands out there like Death Wish and Black Rifle, so on and so forth, that are selling, and uh, Stumptown, that are selling, you know, 10 and 12 ounce bags of coffee for like 20 $22 for, you know, coffee. I'm like, okay, listen, I've had coffee. There's no way that this is $22 worth of coffee. So I just grabbed whatever random bag it was and I walked away and I was just like, dude, I'm getting, this sucks because I feel insulted by the coffee industry because there's, there's all these different bags of coffee and they're, you know, they're super complex. It's like reading a wine description of, of a complex crescendo of chocolate, hazelnut, and a smoky aftertaste. And I'm like, okay, I read what that says, but I don't taste any of that shit. I mean, it's, it's good coffee, but I'm not tasting, you know, a, a, a bright finish with high acidity or anything like that. I'm just like, is this fucking coffee or is it wine? What am I drinking here? And so I got home and I started looking into roasting and beans and what to expect out of X, Y, and Z, you know, different profiles of, of beans and, and, and what you're getting out of it. And I realized, holy shit, this whole thing is a giant gimmick. And it stuck with me. I was like, Fuck that. I'm going to stick it to the coffee industry. I'm going to find a top-notch roaster. I'm going to buy their beans. I'm going to put those beans in my bags, and then I'm going to sell it for dollars less than what they and the rest of their brands, or not their brands, but the people that they supply to. And my beans that I buy are sold by another brand for $17 for the same exact product that I'm selling mine at for 12. So is there another brand out there that is selling the same exact beans? Yes, there is. I'm not going to tell you who they are because they're a major coffee brand that's, you know, like an internet coffee brand. Um so I'm I'm selling super quality product at five to ten dollars less per bag from some of these other designer brands now that's where the anti-bullshit coffee moniker comes in i'm not going to lie to you and tell you you know that that my my coffee has this super complex profile and has this you know a, a bright finish and all that no 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 that's up to you like you taste the coffee how you taste it. it's the same way how like listen I like chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream, but the next guy may not, okay? Taste is up to the individual. I'm not going to tell you this has a smoky aftertaste and this has, you know, notes of chocolate and, th- and there's a, 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 a low acidity finish or something like that. No, that is up to you to determine, do you like it? Yes, great, close the book. There's no, there's no more that needs to be said because how you interpret the flavor and how I interpret the flavor could be very two different things. One of my buddies was drinking my coffee and he's like, he's like, dude, I swear to God, I taste chocolate in this. I'm like, I don't, but that's awesome that you do 
because chocolate's dil- delicious. So, y- you know, a- a- and that's the thing is like, okay, I'm not, um, I'm not in this to make a billion dollars. I'm in this to give good, no, I'm sorry, great coffee to people that refuse to, to pay extortionist prices for delicious coffee. That's kind of part of this whole trick that the coffee industry has pulled. You know, I mean, everyone is getting hoodwinked into thinking, if I want great coffee, I have to pay an arm and a leg for a bag that's only going to last me a week and a half. Well, that's where I come in. I'm coming in to disrupt that. I, I'd like, I, I refuse to pay exorbitant prices for something that's, you know, great quality whenever, I mean, like, I'm making a profit off of the bags that I sell. I'm not making, you know, $18 profit like some of these other brands, but I am making a profit. So there's, you know, it, 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 it's, um, I'm just tired of being lied to by the coffee industry. Uh, okay, and then obviously, like, as anyone that, you know, if, if you don't know the brand, it's, uh, you can find it on Instagram, Gimmick ABC, which is short for Anti-Bullshit Coffee. Now, whenever you look at it, it's, everything is black and yellow, maybe a little bit of gray. It looks like something that would be a part of a Caterpillar dozer. Or, you know, found in the back of a work truck or, you know, on a job site or just something that is, you know, uh, really lasts forever and ironclad, you know, something that, you know, there's no, okay, like with a, with, whenever you have a good tool, like a T-handle or, or, you know, a concrete saw or something like that. It doesn't have to be super fancy looking. You just know it works great, and I'm going to use this every day. Well, I took that same approach whenever I I was designing the brand image for Gimmick. That's why it's the official coffee of hard work, because I want people that are hard workers to identify with the brand and see black, yellow, strength, here to get shit done, and, and, and go home and be done with my job. Okay, so that's Gimmick Coffee. You know, one of my taglines is it's going to power you into and through your hard day. All right. So that's I mean, like, I'm not here to to have like a super fancy, you know, wispy hipster approach to coffee. No, it's it's I don't have time for that shit. Nobody has the people that are drinking. The people that are drinking gimmick are hard workers. They wake up, they brew their coffee. They go to work, they get the job done, and they come home. This is the coffee for that type of person. Okay, you're a hard worker? Great. Here's your shit. Now, if you have time to waste and you have, you know, money burning a hole in your pocket, by all means, log on to Stumptown and buy $30 coffee. That's, you know, I'm not, this, we're not in the same boat together. Um, so that's where, that's where I'm at with Gimmick. Now, right now, listen, retail coffee sales are just the beginning. What I really, where I really want to go with this is to do event coffee sales. So like, um, have like a, a trailer that I can brew coffee in every morning and go to motocross races, barbecue events, offices, um, like office parks, job sites, anywhere that there is people coming and going in the morning, I'm going to have live brewed coffee right there. Delicious, hot, and cheap. Too. I'm not going to charge like $6 for a cup of coffee. You can go to Starbucks if that's what you want. You can get ripped off by somebody, you know, with a brand name coffee shop. 
go do that. Or you can stop by the Gimmick Coffee trailer and get hooked the fuck up. Cheap price, great coffee, and you're, you know, I mean, the, the, of course, the most important part, caffeine. That's what you're going to get. Yeah, that's smart, too. Like, the, like how you said the trailer, because I think a lot of people, like, don't have time sometimes like hard workers on time in the morning to like stop at Starbucks or wherever and grab a coffee or brew coffee. Like you, you go to them and that's a pretty smart business uh, mindset. I think, I, I mean, I just, I, what I'm trying to do is, is cut the smoke and mirrors out of the coffee industry and connect with the people that don't have time to screw with that. Because I mean, it's like, like you said, you're not a big coffee guy and there's a lot of people out there that are not big coffee guys or, or coffee girls, but they want coffee. But they just don't want to participate in this aloofness, you know, hipstery pretend world of like having an experience with coffee. Listen, coffee doesn't give me an experience. Coffee gives me the energy to wake up and get my shit done for the day. And that, you know, that's what I want to get out of my coffee. And that's what I want to supply to the people that are buying the brand is it's not listen i'm not here to take you on some magical experience to make you know like you know think of like folgers commercials folgers is terrible coffee but they have a great marketing strategy you know where it's always like super good looking people waking up in the morning and oh mom's making coffee you know and then you run downstairs and enjoy a cup with the family listen Folger's whole thing is like, A, it's bad, but B, you know, this is the coffee you drink whenever you're with your family and it's waking up and, you know, um, the best part of waking up is Folger's in your cup. Great. Yeah, that's a lie, but I don't have time for that. Like, I'm not standing around and, you know, putting on a fuzzy, cozy sweater and then going on and you know, fucking off for three hours before I go to my sales job or whatever it is that people in Folgers commercials do. Those are the same people that are that are on um those home buyer shows where it's like, I am a beekeeper and my wife is a underwater basket weaver and we have a budget of three and a half million dollars. Those are the type of people that drink yeah, that, that that's that's not me. I'm here for the blue collar hardworking American. I don't care. Dude, I don't care if you work at a salon. I don't care if you work as a concrete pouring guy. I don't care if you are a registered nurse. I don't care if you are sales guy, finance, um, office, legal, retail, construction, logistics. Name a trade. Guess what? I got the shit for you. You hard worker? Great. Check it out. And and again, like it's a, it's an affordable price, twelve bucks for twelve ounces. That's that breaks down to thirty three cents a cup. So whenever you go to Starbucks and you're spending five dollars on a coffee and you're sitting there in line and you think that you're getting great coffee, whenever it's just overburned, overcooked, hot trash, but you get the you get the little logo on the cup. Great, that's fine. I'm not here for you. I'm I'm here to give you thirty three cent per eight ounce delicious coffee. It is delicious too. I'm like I said, I stick usually stick to Dunkin' Donuts, and every time I stray away, I don't really like it. But this gimmick stuff's good. I got the dark roast though. What's the difference between dark and medium or regular? Okay, so dark roast is like the founding father of 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 gimmick coffee. I am a I personally I'm a dark roast kind of guy. I like really strong, bold coffee. Now the thing about a dark roast bean is that it doesn't have the same caffeine content 
as what a medium roast or a light roast coffee does. The less time you roast it, the more caffeine stays in the bean. Now, is it like, is it measurable, the difference? Yes. Is it noticeable? Eh. You know, it's it depends person to person. The same thing with like alcohol content. You know, one guy can drink five beers and be fine. One guy can drink one beer and be drunk. It's the same thing with caffeine and how your body processes it. Um, so obviously, like, I know that there are people that do not dig dark roast coffee. That's great. Guess what? I have a program for you. I have a medium roast coffee program that is that I'm calling Go Ahead. And it, it, it is your go ahead license to experience more with coffee. The um the coffee is going to be a twelve bag limited edition every cycle of coffee. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna buy ten pounds of coffee because I have a great, great roasting supplier. And they have a bunch of different varieties. I do we're talking about bean different beans from Mexico, Ecuador, Costa Rica. Guatemala, Honduras. I can even go African and get Ethiopian. I can get Indonesian. I can get, you know, name a place where coffee's grown. I can find a bean from there. So it's like, instead of being super trendy and saying, you know, it's like a passport or, you know, something fancy like that. No, listen, it's your go ahead. All right. The medium roast Instead of, okay, because listen, I get it. I drink dark roast seven days a week, but every once in a while, you know, in the afternoons, I might want to brew something different instead of, you know, having the same exact coffee that I had in the morning. Or, or I might wake up and have a wild hair and be like, no, I want something different. I have, I have the coffee just for you if you like a little variety. So the, here's how the medium roast program works. I buy 10 pounds of coffee. I then separate that into 12 bags. Those 12 bags, whenever they sell out, on to the next roast. Okay, I'm not going to re- reorder the same exact roast. I'm going to order something different. Now, the, you know, the thing about this is you may fall in love with one of my medium roasts. Sorry, Jack. We're moving on to the next one, dude. We need some variety. We need a little bit of spice in life. We need, you know, something different. That's where the medium roast comes in. The dark roast is going to stay stay the exact same South American blend, dark roast, organic, um, fair trade coffee that it is. The medium roast is going to have a lot of variety. And like I said, every 12 bags, every 10 pounds, we're moving on to the next one. If you want to order that, order it. If you don't, that's fine. Stick with your dark roast. And then whenever you're ready for something new, Go ahead and, and uh, you know, purchase a, a, a medium roast. And, and, you know, the thing is, like, I'm always going to advertise where the where the bean is from. I'm not going to get the uh, same thing with, with the dark roast. It's still anti-bullshit coffee. I'm not going to give you a bunch of fancy descriptions or whatever. Hey, it's a new roast. You know it's going to be different from the last one. Let's move on. Try that. Do you like it? Yes? Great. Looking forward to the next roast. And then if, you know, but again... You have your baseline coffee. You got that dark roast to wake you up every morning or, you know, however, however it is that you want to do it. Because, dude, typically, if I'm at home and I don't have shit going on, if I'm not going race or anything like that, I'm brewing coffee twice a day. I got my AM coffee and I got my BM or my PM coffee. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all up to the drinker. You know, what, what do you want to get out of your coffee? Do you want variety? Great. Then I'm going to give you variety. So. Um, right now I have three bags of coffee left, period. I'm waiting on 
new, brand new, I'm ordering brand new bags with a new, uh, it's going to have a new uh, decal on the front of it. It's going to be a much better looking bag. Main problem with the bags that I have now, after I ship them, they're a bitch to get to stand up straight because whenever they lay down in the USPS packs, it kind of turns it into this big football looking thing. And then you have to tur- turn it upside down, shake it, and then flip it over, fold the thing under, and slam it down on the counter for it to stand up straight. Now, I know that that's a problem. It's just that I had to have bags. I had to order from you know the, the supplier that I did, and they didn't offer a box-style flat-bottom pouch. Well, I found a new supplier with uh, a good uh, equivalent price, and that's what I'm getting. So now we're going to have bags with a flat bottom that you don't have to slam down on the counter for it to stand up straight any longer. Um, so... I've I've been I've kind of had a fire sale on the old bags and I still have three left, but I'm sure they'll be sold by the time that you know this podcast is aired. Um, the uh, I, I did a, I did a sale on those and and got the old the old bags. And when I say old, by the way, it's not even like these bags are not even shit. My stuff is roasted practically uh every other week so like the coffee that you're drinking i'm trying to think of when you ordered it and when you got it it would have been two weeks ago. yeah yeah okay so that stuff would have been roasted four days before it showed up before you know at your house so i'm ordering small quantities of coffee so then we have you know then we're all drinking really really fresh coffee yeah because mm-hmm. Dude, whenever you go to the grocery store and you you buy coffee out of the out of the aisle, there is no telling how how old that shit is, dude. It could be in stock, like it could have been bagged three months ago, and it does make a difference. So, you know, again, small batches, small quantities, um, fresher coffee that way. You know, I'm all about creating a better experience for the coffee consumer without all the extra price tags that come along with it. And also I want to say with the medium, the limited edition coffees, I'm not going to pull some hipster trick on you. And because it's limited edition, it means that it's worth more. You know, some might say that I don't think it is. It costs me the same amount to buy the beans. So the beans are going to stay at the same price, $12 a bag. And until, you know, unless my, my wholesale prices go up where, you know, from my supplier, then it's going to stay 12 bucks a bag. Okay. Awesome, man. And what's the, what's the website again? So people it's, can oh, find it. It's gimmickcoffee.com. And then the Instagram is gimmick ABC for anti-bullshit coffee. And you can find, it's also on uh, Facebook, but really Facebook is just a transfer over from uh, Instagram. If you go onto my, if you go onto my website, um, you can, you can create a little profile and subscribe to the blog, which I try to update regularly, and then uh, get e- and then enter your email, and then I will send out emails um, about uh, once every fifteen days or so with um, with with just information about what's going on with the with the with the brand and and my thoughts on you know what I have coming up and. Uh, you know, little tips on brewing, etc. So yeah, go to gimmickcoffee.com, sign up for the newsletter, and you know, you might even get a little special deal. Um I'm I'm as as gimmick, I am super psyched to give coffee away to uh you know a couple 
a couple people for the uh, fantasy league. I don't because, yep, I do not like giving shit away. Uh, just cause I like giving shit away to people that earn it. You know what I mean? So this is um this is like the perfect to me. This is the perfect uh cross branding and uh, promotional operation for me because I'm I love fantasy leagues. I have not played in one for a long time because, like, you know, previously the, you know, the old uh, Motohub Fantasy League was a little bit out of my price point because I don't take it super seriously. Or, like, you know, some of the other, some of the other guys do the same thing, 20, 30, 50 bucks. I'm like, um, no. I, like, $5 is the perfect price point. I'm going to give you my $5. I'm going to submit my picks, and maybe I'll win. If I don't, hey, I'm out 5 bucks. If I do, then I'm winning a lot of free shit. That's really cool. So I think I think what you did with, with the Motorhub since you've taken it over has been um been killer. Well, I appreciate that. And then your other brand is also donating some stuff. Yeah. Muff Muffler. Yeah. That's right. My favorite That's brand. Right. <laughs> Muff Muffler. How'd you come Muff up Muffler. come up with that? I love the brand. I love just the style of it. And obviously I love it. Yeah. Okay, so here's the deal with Muff Mufflers. It was kind of the same premise as gimmick where I was like, dude, I'm getting fucked by all these pipe companies and I'm not like, I'm not going to put, you know, the FMF logo on my bike just because they're giving me 30% off. Now that's an arbitrary example. And I haven't had a deal with FMF for a long time. And you know what? I'm, I'm not necessarily going to say it's dirty laundry, but I'm just going to put it out there in 2018 bills, pipes, sent me a pipe and a silencer to do uh, a couple outdoor nationals with. And I really appreciated it. And whenever I called them and talked to them, you know, I was referred to them by Brent Rouse. And, or no, 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 no. Actually, Antonovich referred me to them. And uh, Anton, you know, made a call, said, hey, we need to get Crutcher a pipe and, and silencer. Um, he's the only guy in a 252 stroke that's doing more than one round. And... So they did, and like I talked to the dude there about what's the guy's name, Brandon. I, we talked, you know, hey dude, you know, like I, I'm super psyched about this. I really appreciate it. I used to run bills back in the day whenever I had RM80s, so it's really exciting for me to get back to that, you know, back to the deal. He's like, oh yeah, man, you know, we'll we'll keep you on the program forever, and you know, just uh, just keep riding and. You know, we'll we'll send you pipes and silences as you need them. And so then it came time for me to, you know, reorder. I had a, you know, I had my pipe. I smashed it up real bad. I got in a big wreck at a race and, and had to put the stalker back on. And then I called him and went to voicemail, called him, nothing. Called the shop, couldn't, you know, the guy refused to take my call. And then I talked to another dude there and he's like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, I don't know if he had something worked out with Brandon or what, but you know, he's a little busy right now. And then I just realized, oh, I'm getting cool guy. Like, yeah, they, I guess they wanted to help me or something for one time. I, you know, they just felt like, sure, we'll give you a pipe and a silence. And I was kind of chapped about that because then I'm like, okay, well, fuck you guys. I'll go buy pro circuit. But then after I did, I was like, you know, at the same time, the same exact thing happened with PC. A couple years ago, I was in uh, communication with their their dude. Um, I can't even remember the guy's name that was running the rider support program. And he sent me 
you know, I sent him an email with all my information and then, um, he responded and was like, Oh, do you know, Hey, we're going to draw up a contract with X, Y, and Z. We're going to give you free product. I was like, fuck yeah, dude, this is awesome. Like I love PC. I think that they're the king of, of performance whenever it comes to two stroke pipes. And then I, I got a contract from them. Okay. This is the weirdest thing. The guy sent me a contract and it had like a $750 parts allowance. And then everything after that was 65% off. So I get it and then I sign it, fax it or not fax it, scan it, send it back to him. And then he responds with, Hey dude, my email was hacked and that contract wasn't supposed to go to you. Uh, I'll get with you soon about your actual contract. I was like, what your e- your email was hacked and a hacker went in and typed my name and all my information and my parts al- allowance and my discount percentage and then i was like what the fuck are you talking about dude i don't i don't believe you for a second well I knew what pipe was the best for my 250SX, and I said, screw it. I'm still going to buy a PC for my 125. And around that time, I was looking at an old Extreme calendar, or not calendar, catalog, Extreme gear, and was looking at their old badass T-shirts. And then, like, within a day, Todd, who runs We Big, uh, which is a fantastic clothing line, famous for the Camel Smoker Cross. And let's see, I've got a bunch of their stickers right here. All right, so Todd's got Camel Smoker Cross, Send It Crew, Y'all Motherfuckers Need Two Strokes, uh, Mr. Lit, Send It Motherfucker, WeBigInc.com. So Todd's whole thing is recreating the vibe of the early 80s. And he had this... Um, this negative fucks given uh jersey that looked like the kawasaki old kx logo and he put that on this really fun jersey and on it was this little logo that said muff mufflers on it and i text todd i was like dude are you about to start a second brand with muff mufflers and he's like dude i have all these ideas for it but i just don't I, like i'm so balls out with we big i i can't start a second brand so then we started talking about well, would you want to, you know, you can continue using the Muff logo, but would you want to parse that off to me to where I can create like its own brand and sell merchandise and stickers and, and just kind of roll with it? And he's like, dude, hell yes. So now it's like, now Muff is like its own, it's its own brand. And it would start it, you know, the idea behind it was um, Todd created a logo that was kind of like a like a copy or a knockoff of the old tough logo which you know tough was seats plastic stickers uh hard parts and they were a distributor well if you look at the old tough logo it looks just like the muff logo but instead of it being tough racing it was muff mufflers and i just kind of was like if i if i was me in 1991 and i started a pipe brand what would the image of it be? And the image would be like the old O'Neill catalogs and the extreme catalogs and just big titties, bouncy asses, and motocross all wrapped into one called Muff. 
And so, yeah, I mean, where does it go wrong? So, you know, then we started, I started with koozies and hats and I've got some t-shirts and stickers and okay. It's so funny because people think it's an actual pipe brand and I'll get random guys messaging me. Uh, hey dude, you know, do you make, do you make pipes for an O1's uh, RM125? And I'm just like, ah, oh, damn it. man. sorry. No, like I'm not an actual pipe. I'm not an actual pipe company. I'm the vague shape of what a pipe company in 1991 would be like. So with that being said, if you are in the same boat as me where you're like, screw it, dude, I have no, I have no ties to FMF or to pro circuit or to bills. Like I, whenever you're paying full retail for pipes and silencers, do you really owe anything to those brands to continue running their logos? I mean, sure. If you're like, you know, Michael Censorillo fan number one, then yeah, hop on PC and order a PC pipe. But uh, if you don't give a shit about that brand, about, the, you know, you just want good performance, but you also want super stylish looks and you are into chicks with big fake titties and motocross at the same time, then that's where you log on to uh, muff.bigcartel.com and order yourself a pipe rebranding kit. And that's what I sell. And like every, I don't know, two or three months or so, I redesigned the Muff logo as far as like colors go and just, just make badass limited edition stickers that are as 90s as possible. And the Muff, all, all um, you know, Muff stuff is just, it's silly. Listen, I mean, it's for a silly goose time. We're not, I'm not here to like, you know, create a new pipe company and R&D and, and put out maximum horsepower. Listen. It, here's the truth. All right, if we're gonna get into brass tacks, if you install a Muff rebranding kit on your bike, you are going to gain a minimum of six point nine horsepower, guaranteed. Four hundred and twenty percent of the time, Muff kits will give you six point nine more horsepower on your bike. It's as simple as that. So if you're, if you, yeah, and I mean, listen, I mean, you notice you, the second you crack that throttle, bro, you know you're gonna roost big. Okay, we're talking about big doubles, roosting big right on over them. So, yeah, Muff Mufflers is is essentially one gigantic sexual innuendo. And it's a bit, you know, there's all these, um, there's all these, uh, you know, Instagram pages out there that are just dedicated to super hot chicks. And I was like, nah, dude, I'm going to do super hot chicks and motocross at the same time. But you'll notice all the, all the, um, Motocross photos are of like the last one was Robbie Raynard, nineteen ninety four or ninety six, whatever it was. Mike Kadrowski, you're gonna get some John Down. You're gonna get a little bit of Steve Hatch, maybe. You know, I mean, I'm, what I like doing is going back into the archives, pulling up old photos of guys that don't race dirt bikes anymore. Whenever everything was pink and yellow and green and neon and popping, and you know, big logos on bikes, you know, with a big old checkered flag and the kawasaki logo all over the side of it dude that is is that's i love that shit so much because i grew up in that era you know that's whenever i was a kid and it's me paying homage to the old times of whenever motocross was at its peak plus big fake titties so that's that yeah that's the deal with muff muffler so um instead of i think we talked about uh you know, for, for the, the Motorhub Fantasy League, instead of, you know, because Muff, listen, 
Muff is not about going out and, and winning and, you know, performing well on the track and, and, and getting, you know, race wins and podiums and championships and all that shit. No, 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 no. Muff is about a good time. So what, what I think we talked about was for the three Triple Crown races, uh, Muff is going to do a full care package of T-shirt and stickers. Basically, anything that's in the Muff catalog, you're going to get a bunch of. And it's going to be the Blewett Award. Um, so if uh, the Motohub guys that are listening to this, if you blow your pick big time, all right? I mean, like, whoever has the most solid pick but chose, like, the worst option on one, I mean, it'll be a case-by-case basis. You're going to be the one that wins the Blewett Award from Muff Mufflers. Because at Muff, we blow it big. Yeah, you just like you said, you don't have to go out there and win. You know that's not what Muff's about. No, so just gotta no. spread the wealth. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's the thing is, like with the Motor Hub, I don't want to just, you know, it's to to me with the fantasy league, it's too easy to just set up. Oh well, if you're win, if you win, then you get uh, a free helmet or something like that because. I mean, it's like, yeah, dude, there are guys that are going to be out there that are like, you know, crunching stats and doing numbers and, and, and predicting and, and spending a lot of time in it. Those guys are going to get awarded very well with the other brands. Muff Mufflers, on the other hand, is just straight up participation. Did you have fun? Yep, you're into Muff. Are you blowing it? Yep, you're the Muff guy. That's it. So, so instead of awarding people that are... You know, I just want people that are picking picks. I don't really care about the guy that's, you know, I'm not going to say I don't care about the guy that's, you know, winning and is super serious about the fantasy league, but I want to give an award to somebody that blew it. <laughs> yeah. And it makes it fun for everybody, like even like a casual fan, you know, that maybe doesn't follow it so close and it has a, a week where they do make a bunch of good picks, but then there's just one outlier pick that's like, oh, that kind of ruined your score. Boom, you get a, you know, you get some muff swag. Yep, yep. You get a t-shirt and some stickers because you blew it. Dude, I can't tell you how many people uh, come up to me at my, like, my bike, like, when I'm on the line at my races and ask me, like, like what, the, what the pipe is and stuff like that. Like, obviously, we have to run spark arresters, and when I go through tech, they, I see them, like, look at it funny. They're like, I've never seen this kind of pipe before because it's got the big old muff sticker on it. It's pretty funny. That's awesome, dude. And that's the best part is it's, like, you get this, it's kind of a little head turner, you know, we're like, well, man, I've never heard, I've never heard of muff mufflers before. And, and then whenever you refer them to, oh, check out their Instagram and then they pull it up and it's just like, bah, boom, damn, I'm into this. Exactly. Damn, I'm that's, into a, this. that's all I say is just go, go look them up on Instagram. That's all I say. So <laughs> with my muff sticker right next to my Kelly Kapowski on my, on my number plate. It's just like the perfect combo. Okay. Full disclosure. The first, I think the first or second post that I made with Muff was of Kelly Kapowski. And I, like, I was just in the zone of looking for, like, super hot 90s girls. And I found that photo. And I was like, I'm throwing the Muff logo on that and posting it. And I did. And then somebody texted me. was like, dude, that's so awesome you're using Kelly. I was like, yeah, dude. <laughs> right. And like it didn't even dawn on me because that was a little bit the whole um, Saved by the Bell thing was a little bit before me. Like I'm just a hair too young 
to really have been super into it. Now, obviously, I know who Kelly Kapowski is, and I know what Saved by the Bell is, and I know the whole plot and the cast and everything, but when I was just in the zone and I found that photo, it didn't register with me. So then going back, yeah, that's the that's absolutely the perfect combo for you. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, and like like I said, it's muff.mufflers on Instagram, right? Yes. Everyone should just, yep. yeah. if, if you're listening yep. right now, Pause it or just go on your phone right now and check them out on Instagram or check you out on Instagram. Yep. Uh, Muff.mufflers, yeah. And prepare to enjoy. (laughs) Uh, And also, like, straight up, dude, I post some shit on there that is, like, how I have... I mean, I've gotten shadow banned twice, um, but I've never been outright, you know, account disabled. But what it is, it's not... um, I'm just reposting other, you know, other people's shit on there and, or, or, you know, like the girls that are, you know, posting these photos, listen, they're the content creators. I'm just, uh, you know, agree, uh, an egregiator. I think I can't remember what the word is, but I'm just funneling it into one place to create a vibe. Um, they're the ones that are content creating, uh, you know, at the same time, I kind of, honestly, I don't feel bad about not giving them credit because it's like, how much credit do these girls that are taking butt photos really need, you know? And there's so, so anyway, what happened was, is the Instagram algorithm would pick up and think that there was nudity in the photos and then they would shadow ban me. Um, and then I'd have to plead my case to them. Dude, getting unshadow banned from Instagram is so hard. Like it's, it takes so much extra work to keep, you know, to get back to where people can find you. So if in the event that I do get shadow banned again, you have to type in the whole name, muff.mufflers. If you don't finish the whole name, you'll get a bunch of other weird shit with similar letters in it. But unless you finish the whole name, um, you know, so like if, if you're searching, you know, for muff and you just type in muff and it doesn't pop up immediately, you know, type, yeah, check that out. You have to type it all in. But yeah, it's only one F also. It's M-U-F. Just like tough racing was only one F tough to you F. All right. Definitely. And uh, All right. last, last time I had you on, we talked about Rip and Ruts, obviously the graphics company, I guess your first one, your first company. Mm-hmm. So we won't, we're not too much into that. But uh, the other thing you do too is a podcast, OTB. Yeah. O- over the bar. That's correct. Over the bars. So one thing that's super exciting about having, you know, getting this new route where I've got Mondays off is we're actually going to be able to settle into a regular schedule. It has been next to impossible between my busy schedule and then uh, my co-host, Mike Garrison, who uh, is this year, he's going to be at, I think he's going to be at every Supercross race calling the, uh, or not every one of them, but all the amateur day Supercross stuff. He will be uh, the guy calling the races for um, Supercross Futures. So um if you hear mike's voice and you're like hey i know this well that's because you've heard him live in the stadium he's done monster cup before and has done a couple supercross races for the live team uh for the live call but uh yeah mike literally has the golden voice and he he's like the best silliest most fun guy to hang out with and and we have a really good time just shooting the shit about anything and then yeah it happens to be a motocross podcast so if you're i mean yeah this last episode i had cheyenne Harmon on uh, he was talking about how he went from being a nobody in Texas riding borrowed bikes to uh, now he's, you know, 
number 118 supercross racer you know flying all over the world racing supercross and um yeah he's he's a really good dude that's that's a pretty interesting listen um so we try to cover everything give some privateer exposure get you know just talk about the old days talk about the current days my racing uh my buddy scott he comes on pretty regularly um scott was on uh, semi-permanently for about a year because he had a really bad shoulder injury and now he's back full-time to coaching and riding so it's it's even harder to have a third man for us to all to get together so now we slim back down to two men monday nights we're going to be putting out more regular content uh yeah it's it's over dot the dot bars on instagram otb podcast i think on facebook you can just type in over the bars podcast into google and it'll pop up and dude we're on spotify itunes stitcher last fm overcast undercast left cast right cast whatever it is doesn't matter it's it, wherever you wherever you can get a podcast from you're on there that's exactly right yeah we're on all podcasting platforms uh you just type in over the bars podcast and it'll pop up and i think that we have 65 episodes to date and that's uh this will be the third third maybe fourth year that we're going into the podcast so yeah and, and then with and then also with rip and ruts like i you know it's it, that's just a thing that i do on the side now because it's not that I don't have interest in doing it. Listen, I love doing uh, graphics and decals, but with my work schedule, it just got to the point where I was like, dude, I don't, I don't fucking, like, I am not into this at all. I started it whenever I was working a split shift, so I had time during the day, you know, between my a.m. and my p.m. shifts for me to do stickers. Well, now that's changed, and, um, you know, I just don't really have the time to like focus on it. It's something I love doing and I love helping guys out doing really cool stickers, et cetera. But, you know, it's just kind of a case by case uh, request only that deal. I'm not really advertising that I'm doing stickers anymore. I can do st- stickers, logos, event flyers, anything you need. You know, don't feel free or don't uh, feel. Don't hesitate to reach out to me and uh, see if we can work something on but you're super into my work and that's uh, on instagram rip and ruts r-i-p-p-i-n-r-u-t-s um yeah so anyway that's that's all my brands and you know i'm super psyched to to get to help out the uh the moto hub fantasy league i'm in i'm really excited to actually participate in a fantasy league this year um i'm i'm uh working on getting my picks together let me ask you this how late can I make my picks? Uh, right before uh, night show gate. Okay, so between so all right, awesome. So I guess seven o'clock, whatever time you know the race, whatever time zone the race in. So like for you, for Anaheim, it'd be nine. Yeah, nine. Okay, got it. Got it. For those of you who haven't signed up yet, it's you pick your top three in each class, and then you pick a privateer in each class, and you have to guess what position the privateer is going to finish in and if you guess it right you get 50 points if you get if you guess the first guy right you get 30 second or first is 25 seconds 20 third's 15 and privateer's 50 so that privateer is big yeah but if you messed up yeah. you could win uh muff muffler stuff. <laughs> so. yeah if you blow it big time only at the triple crown races though right yeah only at the triple crown yeah, yeah. the blue it award yeah <laughs> Yeah, cool. But uh, speaking of Triple Crown, let's uh, talk some Supercross. A1 is this weekend. 
it's always a great weekend when Supercross starts up. I feel like I've been deprived Dude, for a long time. You know what's weird, though, is like the, I, I have genuinely felt like this has been one of the quietest off-seasons uh, really in recent history. It seems like there's not been that much change, not much of a silly season. A little here, a little there, but, you know. The Savachi thing was like, I guess the biggest thing to happen was him going to JGR, you know? Yeah. And yeah, and now he's hurt, so he's not going to be out there. Yeah, that sucks. Along with Mark, Pretty bummer. But yeah, it seems quiet, like weird. Like I obviously I check Racer X a lot, and it seems like they're like running out of stuff to post too, because just not a lot is going on. Yeah, it's well, it's just not a contract year. It kind of seems like we had a, a a big turnover from the old guard into the new younger guys and they're all deep in contracts. I mean, how long was Anderson's contract that he signed last year? Wasn't it like four, four years with a fifth year option? So I think so. Cause I think his contract's not up till 2022. I read. Yeah. So that's a yeah. Long time. That's a long time for motocross. Okay. So, uh, going in, we've got, I mean, how many, how many champions do we have? So we have, all right, so previous cha- previous 450 champs, so you have Anderson, Webb, um, Reed, obviously, but Reed's not really a championship threat. Uh, is there anybody else lining up that's a uh, previous, uh, Tomac? Yeah, well, f- we're talking just 450s or 250s? Uh, ju- so you talk 250s. Uh, ju- uh, just 450. 450. Yeah, well, Tomac's just got the 450 motocross titles, no supercross yet still. Oh, my God, I didn't even, right, of course. See, that's why, we, that's why we have you to pull those stats up. Thank you, Kurt. But, so I have, I have like, three groups of riders here. So my first group is the guys who I think are going to be title contenders, and I want to get your opinion on these four. It's Tomac, Webb, Roxon, and Anderson are my four guys that I think the title will go to one of those four. Yeah, I, I, those, are, those are pretty solid choices. I mean, there's not... God, I hope I hope that we can just keep all four of those guys healthy and for it to be like good battles every weekend. Now, with that being said, if there's a sleeper, I'm not I, I can't even I can't say Adam anymore ever since it has been discovered that his actual name is Michael. I'm sticking with the Michael Censorillo. Um dude, I really think that Censorillo is very capable. Like it would not surprise me if at the you know at the last round in Vegas, if he's within 20 points of, you know, the, the championship. Um, I think that he, for a long time, has been held back by the 250, and he has that type of riding style that fits a 450. Um, so he could be really, uh, he could be the, the sleeper, you know, so to speak. Um, the fifth man out that, that that could easily win the championship. As for picking a favorite between Rox and Tomac, Anderson and Webb, God, dude, I just I don't see. Obviously, Webb's going in with the number one. He's the red plate holder at the first round. He's got the biggest dick energy going in, and he's that type of rider that rides off of confidence and uh, momentum. Um, he didn't really have a very good showing. Uh, in the um you know the outdoor series but i mean shit dude i think he put all his marbles in that supercross bag and wasn't even concerned about the outdoor series and that paid off 
Anderson on the other. Yeah, okay, so Anderson on the other. Okay, like, so moving on. No, I was just saying, it seems like that happens a lot where a guy wins a Supercross title, and then even Ferrandis in the 250 said it like his focus wasn't fully there to start outdoors, and I think that kind of hinders them throughout the year. Yeah. No. No. What are you saying about Anderson? Oh, I just, you know, I think that, um, I think that Jason is definitely more of a Supercross rider, and, um, you know, I just, I don't think that he, he, he didn't win one last year. No, he only did, the, he only did the first three, too, before he got yeah, hurt. He okay. got second. That's- yeah, the question is, can he show up with the same amount of intensity that he did in 2018 and produce another championship winning, uh, championship winning performance week in and week out? God, dude, I don't see him not being up there, especially after the first three races he did last year were pretty goddamn good. And then, like you said, he almost won Glendale. Um, I just, uh, I don't know. I think that Jason is one of those guys where, like, he, he, I think he has found his, his vibe of being, you know, a lot more relaxed and a lot more, you know, like his, he's really found his vibe with the team fried thing. And, you know, he's got a couple guys in his corner that he needs, um, you know, to keep him, keep him, you know, lighthearted, so to speak. And the less pressure and the less stress that he has, I believe that he'll be able to perform well. Also, another guy that easily could be top three every single weekend is Osborne. Um, You know, Zach is one of the absolute hardest, you know, like that dude grinds. So when he shows up at A1, you know, Osborne's going to be thinking that he put in more work than everybody else. Um, let's see. Barsha won Anaheim one last year, correct? Because it was a mutter. That's right. Yeah, I even predicted on my podcast. I said, Barsha's going to win tonight. And um, he did. And I, I got nothing for it. So, obviously, I need to be participating in a fantasy league. Yeah, Osborne's another one. I have him and AC kind of in like that second group where they're going to be on the podium a ton probably win a race here or there um, and maybe sneak into that first group because I think Osborne, I've kind of put him a little bit above AC only because one, it's his second year in the, in the 450 class. He's a little bit older. Um, I guess I don't want to say he's more mature, but he just, I don't know. He's more experienced, I guess um, on the bigger stage. And I don't know. I, I still feel like AC is going to get in like that zone where he starts to push too hard and then wash out the front end. Like we've seen him do so many times in the 250 class. Yeah. I think that that may have been just a syndrome of riding a 250 though, you know, of, of it, him na- maybe not gelling with the bike the exact way that he wanted to. Cause he definitely seems in my opinion to really be a torque rider as opposed to where like, you know, Villapoto was, he rode the bike further up on the RPM than, than what, you know, AC does. And, you know, whenever you're trying to ride a 250 in the torque, it's going to do squirrely things like that. Um, so yeah, perhaps the 450 will suit him far better. 
I mean, he looked damn good at Monster Cup, so there's no denying that. He looked really good. Uh, Then Roxon, you know, ah, God, dude, you know, can he, you know, I, I mean, I know he, he did, he won a race last year, right? Last year, right? No, he didn't. He hasn't won a Supercross race since he, he won outdoors, okay. but he, he didn't win Supercross. That's he didn't win Supercross since That's the arm thing. Got it. Okay. Can he, you know, I think he can come back and win. Um, for I think that he could definitely win races, championship. He's a championship caliber rider. Um, I can see him, you know, from knowing him personally, I can see him easily putting, you know, the W every night in his back pocket and trying to collect that championship bonus at the end of the year. Um, whereas like Eli, you know, Eli, it's a race, you know, the series is only as long as the main is every night. Um, you know, where Kenny is more of a championship distance, you know, like a, a marathon runner as opposed to a sprinter. Um, also I just got to thinking, dude, if there's anybody that can pull like the hat or not a hat trick, but a, uh, like a magic trick pull the rabbit out of the hat. I genuinely think Malcolm Stewart could easily just flash a brilliance win one race or two races this year. Oh, for sure. The speed, obviously the speed is there. It's a consistency that he's kind of never had, I guess, but it seems like obviously last year getting hurt, like pretty much the beginning. I think he would have won a one if he didn't go down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it seems like his program's better than ever. I'm really interested to see if he can make it through the whole season and how he ends up. And it would definitely not surprise me if he wins a race. Okay, now obviously shifting gears to the exact opposite end of the spectrum. It, are you privy to the Bernard Kerr situation? Uh, yeah. Do you? I. I okay. Is he going to qualify for the night show? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's hard. It's so hard to tell. Like he looked, I'm not gonna lie. He looks pretty good in all his videos and stuff, but he is, he's trying and he's racing four fifties too, which I think will be a little bit tougher. Yeah, I know. I'm just, yeah, there's faster I dudes. I don't know. Maybe it's, I guess it just depends on how many, how many dudes show up to a one. If there's 60 riders showing up to try to make it, probably not. But if there's, 45 which there has been in the past maybe what do you think i i mean i don't know it's um i i want really i want to see him qualify so bad just out of i just okay here's here's my thought on it and, and like it irritates me how many people on the internet are just tearing this dude down and saying that he's that he's disgracing the sport and is making a mockery of it and you know, all this like super negative shit. Here's what I see. I see a world champion caliber athlete from another sport coming into our sport. Obviously, he is an extremely talented motocross racer. Um, I see him coming in and bringing his gigantic following and gigantic audience into our sport. Motocross and downhill mountain biking are very similar and there is a lot of crossover um i don't i don't know how many people that are downhill mountain bikers ride uh motocross for fun 
but I know a lot of people that ride motocross mountain bike for fun. It's, it seems like there is a lot of crossover in that direction. So if we can get those, those mountain bike guys that follow Bernard to watch the, you know, to watch time qualifying, dude, that's huge because now we're talking about possibly like 15,000 people just watching one guy to see if he can make it in. And whether he does or does not, the net gain on that is so massive. Like we're talking about one person that's bringing in 15,000 new eyes, very potentially, whether they're actually watching time qualifying or just checking on Instagram, you know, dude, that's, that's more out of, uh, nobody else has has done what he's doing. And it's, like I said, the net positive on it is huge. And let's think about it this way. If Bernard comes in and is hyping up Supercross and we gain five fans out of it, that's gigantic. Okay. But let's go a step further than that. Let's say there is a dude that does not own a dirt bike that sees Bernard riding and then starts, you know, looking around at other motocross riders and sees how absolutely sick our sport is and then decides, you know what? I'm going to go to my Kawasaki dealership and buy a new bike. Every effort, every fuck up, every negative comment, every positive comment, all of it is worth everything at that point. Like if we gain one guy from out of our sport to buy a new motorcycle because this one dude decided that he was going to race A1, that's huge. Because, I mean, if you can create a lifelong enthusiast out of one dude just posting about how he wants to raise, I mean, good luck. I mean, motocrossers don't do that, you know, because we, our, our sport is so insular and everyone, you know, it's just, it's a lot of preaching to the choir. And yeah, I mean, it's like a dude posting about FMF pipes might do FMF a solid and, and convert a customer from someone that's already in the sport. But what about getting a guy that's from out of the sport that has the money to spend on, you know, downhill mountain bikes, which are more expensive than motocross bikes somehow. We get that dude in and we get a couple of those guys in. Then we're starting, you know, it's. One's, you know, I, I can't remember the saying, one's a whatever, two's a party, three is a revolution. Then, I mean, if we can get downhill mountain bike guys into motocross, that'd be absolutely gigantic. And that's what this guy is doing single-handedly. So, so I, my, my hats are off to him. I don't get all the haters like on Vital and stuff. Like how you're saying like, oh, he's disgracing the sport, all that. Like you can't just come in here like, and think you're gonna win and shit like that's like first of all his goal is a night show he lost a bet that's why he's doing it and if he's he's a damn good dirt bike rider if he's got the skills to qualify then what's the, i don't get the big deal you know yeah. i mean it's it's people are just mad you know i mean people are gonna hate they're gonna be mad and um i think there are a lot of people out there that just want to say negative shit because they hate their job their wife bitches at them they don't like their kids and they don't get to ride as much as they want to so fuck bernard kerr is their stance on it you know, whenever people, uh huh, yeah, and and in YouTube comments also, like I, I, that's a thing. Is like whenever people are just ranting on negatively about someone, it's it it, it's not a reflection of the person; it's a reflection of themselves. It 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 never has something to do 
with the guy that's actually being hated. It's about the guy that's hating. Yeah, exactly. Well, I ho- I hope he makes it just to just to see the reaction, and it'll be cool. And like you said, if we can get some mountain bikers, you know, watching it on Supercross, that's the the best possible outcome. A one's a big deal, brother. I mean, there's a lot of people that watch it that are from outside the sport. I mean, we'll see that on the television broadcast. We'll get baseball players and and you know movie executives or whoever the fuck it is that Jenny Taft is going to drag into the booth. Or who I don't even know. Not Jenny Taft. Is she still what's? Oh, uh, Will Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> Jenny Taft's big time now. She's on all these college football games and stuff. She's too big. For I said that because I was just watching an old bar to bar series recap from a couple years ago, and she was on it. Uh, you know who I am interested to see because he's another guy that's got the speed. But doesn't can't seem to like quite put it all together. Is Blake Baggett, dude? He won that his first race last year, and I, I kind of thought he was gonna like contend and maybe win some more, but it never really happened for yeah, him. You know, Baggett's one of those guys. I think he's just a careerman racer that got lucky. Uh, and and listen, no, no doubt about it. He's uh he's a fantastic motorcycle rider. Do I consider him a championship winner or a championship contender? Not necessarily. But then again, we could be proven wrong entirely. Who knows? The guy could pull something out of his hat and just be like. Hey, by the way, I'm here to win this shit. And he goes out and beats everybody every weekend. Very capable of doing that. I just think that from, from meeting him and, and, and you know, um, watching him ride, I think he's just out there to make a career, not necessarily win every race. Um, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another one, kind of like on the, maybe not quite the Malcolm Stewart level, is Davalos. I'm very interested to see how he Davalos does. Davalos is going to win heats for sure. For sure. For sure. I'll put, I'll, For sure. He's probably going to wash out the front end quite a bit, too. <laughs> Stamp it. He's going to win some heats. It's uh, it's pretty cool that KTM's helping out that the Tedder team more, kind of making them like the, you know, the RM, ATV, MC, KTM, a little bit of factory support. So his bike should be good. Yeah, for sure. Kurt, I hate to do this to you, brother. I could sit here and talk about Supercross all day, but I got to wrap it up. I got to go watch my uh, nephew race bicycles. All right. Well, wish him luck and uh thank you for your time today, bud. Yeah, brother, no problem. Um anything uh any any last questions or anything like that you want to before I get off here? Get off here. Uh no, I think we're good. Right on, dude. I think we're all set. Fuck yeah. I'm I'm excited for this season. I'm stoked that you have uh claimed the Motorhub Fantasy League and Motorhub and that you're, you know, bringing it back and that we're doing it at a very affordable price and I'm looking forward to kicking some ass on the Fantasy League this year. Sure. Yeah, man. Uh, you enjoy the rest of your day, bud. All righty. Bye-bye. Charleston girl in a darkened room And you don't know her like I do We took the fire escape to her room And got stone raging blind Left my money in the trusting hands of them old steel brothers in fast grass band. One day I'm gonna drive up there and give them half my mind. I don't know if it's the wine or the coke that makes her sound like her jaw is broke. She's working hard to make some sense, but she ain't got a dime. I wish to God that I could help her out. 
I wish I knew what she was talking about I wish to God that I could get away But I'm way too drunk to drive that river 